next hour on most of these the same frequencies. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the program. Today we are going to talk about a rather serious topic, the future. This is Cracking the Code with Sadir Ispahani. In this episode, CenturyLink CIO Cameron Zie. Leadership is more about listening and it's more about understanding and let people communicate with you what their desires are, what their pain points are. To lead people, you have to be able to identify with them. Zie predicts while advancements in artificial intelligence will make many jobs obsolete in the coming years, there's a brighter side. And so many new jobs will be created, the jobs that you and I can't even think about because of this automation, because of this influx of artificial intelligence. Zie encourages employees to spend 30% of their time working to eliminate their own positions. How can you automate your position? How can you bring new innovation into your position? Those are the things that, that actually brings value to the company. Now your guide for cracking the code, Sudhir Ispahani. Aloha, Cameron. Great to have you on the show. Welcome to Cracking the Code. It's been a privilege to know you over the long period of time. We've, we've gotten to know each other. Thank you, Sudhir. It's great to be here. It's been quite a journey for most of us who've started our roots in humble beginnings in various countries. I grew up in India, you grew up in Iran. And we're going to start maybe with you sharing a little bit about your childhood, and where you grew up and how life unfolded for you and in the very successful uh, career you've had uh, to date and of course living in the U.S. So if you can take us through that journey, Cameron. As you know, I was born in Iran. Uh, this is at the time of uh, the previous regime, Shah's regime, um, in the 60s. And um, I grew up in a very loving, large family. Mm -hmm. uh, my grandparents were uh, absolutely amazing. And uh, they were really mentors to me in early life. Uh, later on, I had an uncle, uh, my, my uh, youngest uncle, uncle, who was a uh, mentor to me as well. Uh, life in Iran was simple back then, you know. Uh, I feel like life becomes more and more complicated and complex as as uh, as we grow up. But um, but uh, it was it was a pretty decent life. And um, my family are a family of educators. My mother taught high school. Uh, my father was uh, an educator as well, teaching mm -hmm. university, and. Um, uh, he had some posts in the government back then. Everybody worked some some way or another for the for the government, and he was acting mayor of Tehran for a while and, and so forth. When I was in my early teen years, the revolution happened, and you know it didn't impact us that much because, of course, you know we, we didn't have any uh, connection to the previous government or the the next one, so it was okay. But uh, life became difficult because universities were closed, education was, the face of education was changing quite a bit. And, uh, you know, for my family, of course, education is number one. Um, they had a, you know, where we come from, you know, our parents, they, they emphasize that, that's, you know, we can do whatever you want to do as long as you have a college degree. Yeah. So, so uh, for us, it was pretty important to do that. So, I had to grow up pretty fast because of the revolution and, and the changes in the society. Um, the schools became segregated, um, and, and that had an impact on, on uh, you know, the upbringing in many ways. Uh, up until about my mid-teen years, and then, you know, I, I left the country um, and I immigrated to U.S. 
um, grew up in upstate New York, and uh, uh, spent some time in France after my high school, uh, which also shaped my my uh, international thinking. You know, a, a broader sense of uh, you know belonging, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was it was a kind of a eventful childhood. I would say, um, having had to live through the turmoil of revolution, having to leave the, the home, I left my home pretty early in my teen years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so you know, it, it was a, a tremendous thing for a, a child to go through so many different phases mm-hmm. before you even reach your, you know, 18th birthday. That's, um, you know, fascinating always to hear hear the journeys. Of course, in the U.S., you you sort of embarked on your career. You've had a very successful one. Walk us a little bit through that that whole process of how you got to to where you were and uh, where you studied, etc. You know, I had always ambitions of you know. For me, success wasn't really defining how much money I'm going to make. Right. It never was about that. My family's values weren't about you know about that. Not that there's anything wrong with that, by the way. It's perfectly okay to say I'm going to grow up to be a multimillionaire. That's okay. It just wasn't my aspiration. Uh, I was more, uh, success was more in the areas of of knowledge, uh, leadership, and being able to leave a legacy. Mm -hmm. That to me was more important. I probably couldn't articulate that when I was 18 years old. I can articulate it now. But it was always that type of a thinking that drove me forward. How can I be better? Mm-hmm. Uh, how can I learn more? Of course, you know, you want to provide a good life for your family. That that stuff goes without saying. But it wasn't the goal. Sure. You know, I finished high school. I went to France. I studied at the Sorbonne for about two years. Um, and I studied French literature. Mm-hmm. Um, came back to the U.S. Uh, studied engineering at The Ohio State. Um, so I'm through and through Buckeye. Mm-hmm. Uh, did my uh, undergrad in uh, applied math. I uh, did my master's degree in industrial engineering, mm-hmm. um, which I really enjoyed very, very much, especially my grad- graduate school. I really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, when I was doing my grad school, by the way, I was working already full time. So I, I did that as a, you know, I worked full time and, and, I, and I did my master's at the same time. Right. I believed in being able to improve myself. I mm-hmm. believed in being able to meet expectations or exceed expectations um, and raise the bar, first mm-hmm. and foremost on myself. Uh, later on, I went back and got an MBA, again, when I was working full-time. Um, and, um, and you know, I was also blessed to be uh, given opportunities um, to do a lot more. Right. Um, I was uh, given the opportunity to travel overseas. I, I'm, a, I'm multilingual, so that was an asset. Right. Uh, to the company, my employer at the time, which was NTL. Uh, now it's called Virgin Media. Um, and they asked me if I would move to France and help them with the expansion of the company in Europe. Right. So that was that was tremendous in terms of my, my per- personal growth. Right. Uh, being able to work in multiple countries. You know, I worked in France and then to Germany and Switzerland. I think you know some of that story yeah. uh, from, from back then. So that gave me, that broadened my horizons quite a bit in terms of Understanding, uh, and that later on actually led led me through led me to diversity, mm-hmm. um, and and the diversity of thought more than mm-hmm. anything else. You know how we can work together from you know where, wherever we're from, we bring tremendous amount of uh, value 
into what we do um, together. Mm-hmm. So, um, so those were the things that I think propelled me quite a bit in my career, and more importantly, in my way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you're too kind to call me successful. I, I appreciate that. I, I don't know if I see myself that way, but, um, but I think I've been both blessed and I've been fortunate to to have some leaders in my in my life mm-hmm. who gave me the opportunity to to prove to them that I can do more yeah. and that helped me with my own growth it's amazing uh, you know and you you by the way had a incredibly successful and tremendous career if you look at spanning multi continents europe us etc but somewhere in there uh, leadership became a focus for you of course starting with your core morals and values and um you're you are a thought leader share with us some of your leadership insights and uh, how you really lead and guide you're uh, in a in a powerful position and uh, in a responsible position right now as the CIO of CenturyLink and uh, I just want you to share what is it as a leader that you practice and how do you sort of inculcate those principles with the people who, who you work with and who work for you again I, I want to respond by saying thank you for the kind words I, I if I am a leader I'm a leader in the making um, there's still a large amount of experience and knowledge that I have to still gain. And um, I'm fortunate enough to have people like you, Sudhir, in my life that I can, that mentor me and I, and I learn from and hopefully become better every day. Leadership really starts with self. You know, I, I had to take leadership when I was very, very early on about my own life. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I got separated from my family, uh, you know, when I was 16, 17 years old. Mm-hmm. And I had to make the right choices for my life. Um, I had many choices as a, you know, young person uh, being in Paris or then later on in New York. Uh, you can, you know, you can make wrong choices. And I think that taking leadership for, and, and taking responsibility for my own actions is probably the very first thing that I, that I had to face. Mm-hmm. And to this day, it's still the same. You know, before you take leadership um, or take the responsibility for others, you have to make sure that, you know, you take leadership for yourself and be responsible uh, in your own life. And that kind of stays with me. And then for me, leadership means um, a a reverse pyramid, if you think about it. Because we always think about leaders being on top of the pyramid. For me, it's the other way around. I'm in the bottom, you know, holding whoever is that I'm, you know, is in my organization or my my team or in a broader team, not just the people who are in my immediate team, but the company that, I, that I'm that a part of. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm there to serve. So leadership for me means, means serving. So making sure that we, you know, we, we work towards a common goal that we all identify with and we all agree on. And it's in line with, the, with of course, a broader goal of the company. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, it doesn't have to be a company. It can be your church. It can be your family. It doesn't make any difference. Yeah. But we all march towards a common goal. So leadership means if you're a good leader, I think you, you can serve the people mm-hmm. well. Um, park the egos outside. You know, be humble. Mm-hmm. And uh, understand that, you know, no matter who you are, I think uh, we're all leaders in the making. Well, you, you also are uh, now in, in that same position you're uh, constantly attracting good talent into your company. Most of us look at the future of the millennials, and uh, there's a lot to learn from them. 
how do you practice your leadership capabilities with the next generation of talent that's coming in into serving in your organization or within the company? What, how do you see that? I guess one of the biggest jobs that I have is attracting the best talent for the company and developing that talent. I always look for people who are much smaller than I am. Um, you know, there are ones that in their own domains. Um, I look for people who have a lot of passion. Mm-hmm. Um, that to me is more important than knowledge. Mm-hmm. Because if somebody is smart right. and if somebody has passion, mm-hmm. we can teach them. Uh, they can learn. You could bring experts in who don't have any passion about the business or about being there, and, and it's just futile. Right. So, so you know, for me, when I try to attract talent in the company, when I'm interviewing with people, with potential candidates, I look for that fire inside them. Uh, I look for um, that desire to succeed right. uh, for themselves and for the greater team. And humility at the same time. Mm. Um, for us to learn, you know, more every day, we have to accept that we're not perfect. Sure. And, and, and there is a lot for us to learn. So I look for that. And it's amazing, you know, the, you know there are a lot of smart, good people out there. And, and many of them are my, I'm proud to call my colleagues, yeah. uh, my teammates. We're working together on that. So it's very important, in my view, that, that not only do you attract these people and bring them in, but then once they're in, it's not over. It's just the beginning. We spend time, you know, developing, coaching, working together to make sure that, you know, we stand on the same value system. Mm-hmm. And based on that value system, we build and, and deliver for the, for the company. If you had to define your leadership style pretty much in a sentence, how would you define that? Oof. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's a loaded question. <laughs> yeah. One sentence. Maybe it's a broken sentence. Maybe I can just list some some (laughs) adjectives in one sentence. Leadership is about listening, collaboration, um, setting a vision, I think is very important. As a leader, you need to have a vision. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you have to be able to articulate that vision to your team Mm -hmm. in a way that that team can identify with it. If a team doesn't understand or sign up to that vision, then there's a problem. And leadership is about honesty. It's about transparency. It's about integrity. It's about being straightforward. You know, I have um, frequently I set up meetings, small meetings with my team, people who don't report to me, individual contributors. And I always start by saying, I'm, you know, what you see is what you're going to get. You know, there is no, there's no hidden agendas. If you ask me a question, I'll answer it. If I cannot answer it because I don't know, I tell you I don't know. If I can't answer it because I can't share the information with you for whatever reason, I'll tell you the same thing. I will not lie. I will tell you that I can't share the information with you. So it's, it's about that level of trust. Mm-hmm. And I think for people to be able to rely on you and follow you, First and foremost, they have to trust you. Mm-hmm. And trust is something that is earned. Mm-hmm. So you have to earn, as, earn it as a leader. And the way you do it is by exactly practicing that, being transparent, being open, being vulnerable. A lot of leaders think they have to look tough and strong and, you know, that's not about that. Right. Strength is in, is in confidence and it's in, it's in transparency mm-hmm. uh, and in, in building trust. So that to me is the most important thing.
mm-hmm. in terms of in terms of leading my organization. Thank you for sharing some of those insights, and uh, you know we'll move on to the next topic in a minute here. But I do have one one other question all all along the topic of leadership. You know we all meet a lot of people during our day, and when you meet somebody, you know what is it that you want to instill or leave them with? There are a number of things that come to mind. Mm-hmm. I would say the most important thing that I would want them to take away is that that guy is a pretty what you see is what you get kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Has a high level of integrity. Level of transparency. Transparency and integrity. Mm-hmm. Integrity is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about honesty and people sometimes mistake honesty for integrity. Mm-hmm. Integrity is being to one's true self. Yeah. So I do not want to ever portray to someone what I'm not. Right. And and probably this is probably true about many people. You don't want to be misunderstood. So I would like for people to to take away to see what exactly who I am, what I am. Mm-hmm. And that's what I would want to leave them with. And you know, it's possible that that person doesn't like what they see. Right. That's okay. I can live with that. What I don't like is if they take away something that I'm not, right. and that's not good. Moving on now to the topic of technology, and uh, you know uh, that's something near and dear to your heart. In addition to practicing leadership, and you live in the world of technologies, there's a lot going on in in your space. Share with us a little bit of you know some of the emerging technology activities that are happening. How you see those change and disrupt businesses how businesses like yours need to be more agile where uh, you know the world of ai and process automation is taking us so maybe you can give us a few insights into some of these areas of emerging technologies as you ask me these questions my palm gets sweaty because this is something i love right technology is something that i really enjoy Uh, I always say I don't go to work every day. I go to my hobby every day. And and this topic is very interesting to me because of how much, how far we've come just in a very short period of, you know, 20, 30 years mm-hmm. in our industry, our, our telecommunication industry, which is amazing. And, of course, how we've applied technology mm-hmm. to this industry. I remember, you know, when I, when I, got, when I left Iran, you know, I, I left for myself. You know, my parents were still in Iran. And I couldn't talk to them. It was so expensive to make a phone call. Yeah. You know, if you remember back in the, you know, early 80s, um, you know, a phone conversation could cost you $30, $40 a call. Right. For a student, that's a lot of money. That's like three days of, of, of living. Yeah. So I really couldn't call them. And I would sometimes go a month, two maybe, without talking to my parents because I just couldn't afford to call them. I didn't have a phone at home. Yeah. That wasn't, you know, it, wasn't a, it was a luxury item. Fast forward to today, you know, I talk to my colleagues and friends across the world for free with voice over IP, you know, FaceTime, WhatsApp, you name it. You know, you can have so many choices now. And if you think about it, through these technologies, we are changing people's lives tremendously. A kid who left Iran in the 80s who couldn't talk to his parents his parents couldn't talk to them. You're, we're both parents, right? It's very difficult to go a long time without talking to your children. So I can imagine what my parents went through. To today, we improve people's lives because no matter where your children are, you know, you can pick up the phone and you're face-to-face with them. 
So that to me is an amazing legacy we're leaving behind for our, you know, for for the generations that we have and to come. And I think this trend will continue. Mm-hmm. Now, kind of fast forward into today from the 80s to now, uh, I'm looking at how we can still improve people's lives going forward. And that's to me, that's what it's all about. I come to work to make to, to see how I can impact. That's why I'm so passionate about this industry, because we've, I've, I've seen for the past 20, 30 years how much we've changed people's lives and how we can even impact it more. And it could be communication. It could be connection, right. you know, information and entertainment. That's mm-hmm. also improves, you know, quality of life. And now we do this with so many different techniques, right? You mentioned some of them, you know, using robotics, using artificial intelligence, providing a better user experience. And those things are right now at the forefront of telecommunications, as you know. Uh, Our industry is changing. A lot of the telecom companies are switching from being the utility telco-minded companies to technology companies. And, And, you know, instead of putting... For better or for worse, putting the industry ahead of the technology, they put in technology ahead of the industry. Mm-hmm. So I'm very excited about a lot of the stuff that we do. My, you know, I remember my master's uh, was in industrial engineering, but most of the work that I did was in AI. Mm-hmm. Um, algorithms, AI algorithm, machine learnings, and so forth. And I remember this is, you know, again, this is a long time ago. You know, what I used to have to write, and it was four or five pages, hundreds of lines of code to, for machine learning. Now we can do it in one line mm-hmm. of code. So it's come a long way. We, we use now AI for speech analytics. Mm-hmm. We use AI for um, predicting our customer behavior. We use AI for next best options for the customers, as they call us. You know, what is the best packages for them? So we use underlying AI and machine learning technologies to improve customers' lives. Mm-hmm. And also to generate more revenue for the company, to generate better customer experience, to generate loyalty of the, of the customers for us. We use all that stuff, and, and it, there are some really exciting things that we're doing at CenturyLink. We use a lot of robotics process automation. Mm-hmm. These are newer technologies that we're using now. We can automate, you know, 200, 300 manual processes in a blink of an eye. We're also trying to change customer experience by providing them a much more of a real-time experience. And and these are, we use some of these technologies that are disruptive, And but we're not the inventors of them in many ways, right? Mm-hmm. If you look at Amazon's, Google's of the world, you know, look at Netflix and, and how easy it is to use their interfaces. That's, that's, you know, that's the kind of technology that we're adopting as well to, to make sure that, you know, we, we provide the same type of experience to our customers. So, and it's getting better every day. Right. You know, every, every, every year, you know, you and I right now sitting in Silicon Valley yeah. where new technologies are coming out every single day and you look at these technologies and you go, wow, you can do so much with this. Right. And if you're smart as a company, we incubate these ideas and we bank on them and, and that will change, that will bring a lot of disruptive, that they will be very disruptive to, 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 our, to, to the business, to the industry. Mm-hmm. And in some areas, you know, we are, we are the first doing it and that's very interesting for us. Do you see some of these technologies really um, creating a challenge for, for society in general in, in the way they're deployed, the way they're used? I mean, 
there's always good and bad in, in the use of technology too. So, do you have any views on that, Kevin? I go back and forth on this, Sudhir. You know, if, if, if you're looking at all these unique uh, technologies, AI as an example, uh, there's always good and bad uses for it in society. Do you see some of the challenges that we could face as a society in, in the bad use of some of this technology? Clearly, there's, uh, there's a lot of value that all of us are deriving from the good use of it, but there's also a lot of concern for society in general as these technologies evolve and emerge. So what are your views on that? There are a lot of thought leaders today who would say AI could be a threat mm -hmm. to the future of humanity. Elon Musk has been very open about it in terms of, uh, you know, replacing what humans do uh, in the future by machines. I think the progress in AI is fascinating and is fantastic, and I think we should continue to develop that. But it should never replace humanity. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to to interpersonal relationships, when it comes to um, the subject of leadership that you just brought up, mm -hmm. there is no machine really that can replace that. The human touch, the human connection, those things I think should should be always there. Machines, to the to the extent they can help us improve our lives, it should be welcome. Mm -hmm. But if we start then replacing humanity with machines, then I think we're going to walk a slippery slope. We are still some years away from that. Mm -hmm. You know, you and I we may see it in our later parts of our lives. But I think we've got to be very careful to separate those two, uh, the, human, the human side of ours, us, and the machine side. Mm -hmm. There should be a clear line in between. There's so much, you're absolutely right. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of talk in the industry, right? by thought leaders and and everybody in general about the good and bad of it. And we'll have to just wait and see, I guess, you know. Yeah, and, and part of it is us, right? I mean, we can always cross the line in other areas as well. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, some people do. Right. Most of us don't. Yeah. I think it's no different than this. Mm -hmm. You know, you could, you could choose to have uh, technology do things that, you know, humans should do and... and and those lines shouldn't be crossed. I mean, I don't think it's any different than some of the some of the challenges we face as as a society today. Mm -hmm. And I, and I would like to hope to believe that you know, yeah, the most of us will will choose the right thing. Mm -hmm. You know, so um, I don't know if it makes sense, but it, it the choice is with us. No, I completely agree with you on that. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of free will we exercise in, in being able to use our intelligence, God-given intelligence and wisdom for good or bad. Yes. Yeah. Morals and values are the fundamental core of how we live our lives. And Absolutely. I would love to, uh, uh, you know, ask you to share your views on a few, few thoughts associated with that. One is, you know, giving back is very important to, to all of us. And when you, when you think of what giving means, what does that really mean to you? The core values of a human being is, is basically the building foundation of who we are. Mm -hmm. um, and integrity is basically sits on top of it, in my view. Right. Integrity means that I this is my core value and I'm not going to break it for any reason whatsoever. Right. That to me defines 
you know, your integrity. So, and I think we touched upon it a little bit earlier, the things that I believe in, you know, I believe wholeheartedly in honesty and in integrity and in transparency, treating people fairly and being there for them. And it doesn't have to be in the context of an organization. You know, if you're a, hus- you're a husband, you're a father, you know, you're a son, you're a daughter, or you're, you're a you know, wife or a sister, you know, those are the people that, the people who are around you. I think that those principles have to stand mm-hmm. uh, in your daily life. So, so core value, in my view, is very important. And, and hopefully in the organization you're working in, the co- your core values and the organization's core values are aligned. Mm-hmm. Then there is a you know there's basis for continuation in my view, and then giving yeah absolutely I mean look you know when you're born into your twenties sometimes even thirties you're in the taking part right. you are a, a child so you know you need to be take taken care of cared for uh, later on you know you're in the taking part from your teachers in terms of learning absorbing. Um, you're in a taking part later on in the society, in the in university, and you know, as as the collective society and society starts with your family, goes all the way to your neighborhood or to your town, you know, to your country, eventually or the world. They're they are giving you what you need to become a hopefully productive part of the society. Mm-hmm. At some point, you got to give back. Right. You got to say, I've taken enough. Now it's time to give back. And the way you give back, and, and you know, I have a lot of friends that are saying, hey, you know, I'm giving back. It's, in, it's called taxes. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's not what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about how do you give back in terms of teaching, in terms of coaching, giving love, taking care of other people, taking care of other, you know, not just your family, but the, the you know, broader society. How do, you, how do you give back by leaving a legacy mm-hmm. that, you know, lives on beyond you. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, that's what it's all about. That's where the fun is. Mm-hmm. That, I believe, is where the purpose lies mm-hmm. when you start giving back. Mm-hmm. And um, that could be a great reason to wake up in the morning because mm-hmm. you know you're going to go and make an impact. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes small, sometimes big, right. but you'll make an impact going forward. And th- And hopefully, I'm in that part of the giving part. And I'm telling you, I, I enjoy it very, very much. Mm. It's very, very rewarding. That's the most rewarding part. You're a very giving person, and uh, I've been a beneficiary of that, and so have many of my colleagues in the industry. And, um, you know, I, I just know that you're always l- introspective about how you can improve as a leader, as a person, as an individual. So what are some of the things you do in, in your typical, uh, you know, routine of the day that allows you to be reflective on how you really think about life and what is it you can do better tomorrow than you did today? One of the things that I do on a daily basis mm-hmm. is reflection. Mm-hmm. Um, during a day, for me, it's so difficult. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm waking up at 6 in the morning. You know, I'm at work usually around 7.30. And my day is hectic, you know, meetings, um, you know, as a CIO, as you know, with IT, there's always a fire here that you got to put out. Um, and hopefully you work towards eliminating those fires for good. 
but you know the life of an IT mm-hmm. is a thankless job. So right. so it's pretty hectic, and and you make a lot of decisions. You you know, at some point you have to go home, and you know when all sudden's done, the kids are in bed, and you know you brush your teeth, you sit down, and you say, okay, how was my day? What could I do better? Where did I come short or fall short? And how can I rectify it tomorrow? I think those five or ten minutes, you can call it meditation, you can call it self-reflection, you can call it whatever you like. And and I wish I had more time for that. Sometimes I do that, sometimes during the day. If I have a 15 minutes, I close the door and think about it. I think, how was my morning? Um, did I make an impact um, for the company, for my colleagues, for my customers? Um, at night, you know, did I... Did I, was I there for my son? Was I there for my wife? Um, so those reflections I do every night and I try to think, what can I do better tomorrow? Mm-hmm. What are some of the pitfalls that I, that I encounter today mm-hmm. that I can avoid tomorrow? And believe me, there's always a, there's something right. that you can think of. I think those five or 10 minutes of self-reflection goes a very long way mm-hmm. in terms of not only improving yourself, but also impacting the world around you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, you could also call it meditation. You can close your eyes and, you know, clear your head. And, you know, I, I unfortunately I don't do that, but I do self-reflect every evening. Mm-hmm. And and um, I say, ah, you know, I should have done this a little better. Mm-hmm. Or you know what, I didn't handle this right. I got to go and and uh, uh, change that. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I I sometimes go in the morning and I said, hey, you know what, I talked about to you about such and such. I think I made a mistake. I think this is a better way to go forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so those are the things that I do. Um, one of the things that I do, but this this particular one is the most impactful in my life. The mm-hmm. self reflection. You know, you're a very giving person. Thank um, you. You know, when you think of giving and uh, giving at all levels, uh, what does that mean to you? Can you share your definition of? You're such a natural giver. I know it, but Thank you know, you. how do, how do you sort of? inculcate that in your leadership style and and nurture other people to do the same if we are blessed enough i think to live to live past a certain point in life yeah. right uh, when we are young we are more in a taking end right we are we are learning we are from my parent from our parents teachers you know when you go to university this is all in a taking part you know you're absorbing you're learning people society is giving you the things that you need right yeah. to become a a responsible member of the society at some point you have to say okay now i'm going to start giving back because it's now it's my responsibility to do that right and i believe that rewar- the rewarding part is in the second half right the rewarding part is when you actually start giving right. and it becomes very addictive yeah because it is such a wonderful feeling to and whether you're giving money to charity whether you're teaching a young person whether you're you're teaching your children uh, values of life all those become such a wonderful experience of life that it becomes very addictive. Right. So thank you for, for your kind words, by the way. I appreciate what you're saying. And, and if I'm doing that, I definitely do it because I really want to. And I really enjoy it. One of the things I do regularly is coaching, coaching people. And pe- when people come back and say, you know, thanks for that hour you spent with me. It really changed my way of thinking. It really gave me a whole new perspective of how I should look at things. Mm-hmm. That is more rewarding to me than, you know, 
anything else you could possibly think of. Mm -hmm. uh, those differences you can make in lives of the people to become better people, and in turn, they can do something for others. Mm -hmm. That's what humanity should be all about. Mm -hmm. So if we can do that, even if it's a small thing, there's no, there's no small amount in, in terms of giving. I think that helps our society become such a wonderful society, better society to live in. Right. Very valuable insights, Cameron. And, uh, you know, this is uh, this podcast is about sharing heartfelt philosophies, like I like to call them, on what really drives us as, as leaders, as individuals, to be better human beings, to give back to others. I'm sure you have tough days, good days, bad days. But some way you have a definition in your mind of what a successful day has been. So how do you define a good successful day for Cameron? Very good question. How much difference have I made? What legacy have I left mm -hmm. behind? And it's difficult in one day to leave a legacy behind. But have I in that day contributed to what I wanted to do mm -hmm. in terms of what I want to leave, leave behind? Everybody has some success criteria, right? right? You could be, and, and there is no wrong, right or wrong answer in this, right? You can't say because I'm thinking I need to have a, you know, $10 million in the bank. Oh, I'm so, you know, I'm so materialistic. No, that's also a good goal to have. Right. So I define success for me is, is how do I contribute that, how I contribute that day mm -hmm. to achieve my goals. And my goals are, I have, of course, financial goals because I have a family and I have to, I have to take care of. I have, um, of course, fiscal uh, from a company perspective goals that I have to make, make sure I meet my targets in the company. But the most rewarding one, again, it comes to back to people mm -hmm. is, uh, you know, I spend so much time today with so many people. Did I make a difference in their lives? Mm -hmm. Am I actually adding value to whatever activity it is that I'm engaged in, whether mm -hmm. it's in the company, whether it's, you know, at the church or whether it's at the, you know, volunteer work that I do, whether it's at coaching, whether I'm spending time having a, you know, drink with my friends. Mm -hmm. have, the, have I been a force of positive mm -hmm. in those lives? And if I can look at my mirror and while I'm brushing my teeth and I say, yes, I have been, that's a successful day. That's, by the way, you are a tremendous force of positive reinforcement and love for all of us. Thank you. As, as friends and colleagues in the industry, you know, I can say that and Thank I've been you. a big beneficiary of it. As I have been yours. <laughs> We've had a really nice discussion about your, your thoughts on what leadership means, how technology has really become engaging for you to drive your intellectual curiosity. But at the end of the day, you know, when life starts sunsetting on us what is the epitaph you want people to remember you by i think about this a lot mm. you know i think about this a lot as you and as you get older i think you think about this even more yeah. because you know your days are numbered probably at some point i don't think my days are numbered i'm still a young man yeah. but as you get older you think about this a lot what do you want to leave behind mm -hmm. you know how will people remember you mm -hmm. of course the first thing i want to be remembered of is as a good father Mm -hmm. That's to me is the is the number one, you know, and a good husband. Mm -hmm. So those two things are very important to me because my family is the most important thing in the in the world to me. Mm -hmm. After that, I want to be remembered as a good friend, you know, someone who's been there for for my friends. I have done the right thing for them. Mm -hmm. I've given them more than I've taken away, you know, and I and I take from my friends all the time. The emotional energy that I get from you, Sudhir, is is tremendous every time I speak with you on the phone, but. 
I am happy if I'm, I've given you as, at least as much. So those are the things that, that I like to be remembered by. Mm-hmm. People probably won't remember how much money you made. They won't remember, you know, what, role, you what role you played. What was your title? You know, people don't remember that. People don't care. And you shouldn't care. What really matters is, have you been a good father? Have you been a good husband? Have you been a good friend? And if you can say yes to those, then life is good. <laughs> That is very, very insightful, and it's a wonderful way to summarize this conversation. Uh, thank you. Today, Cameron, thank you again for joining us on the thank show. You. I hope we'll have many more opportunities to do this again. Thank you. I look and forward I to it. appreciate your time. Thank you very okay. much for having me in the show. Appreciate thank it. Thank you. Final thoughts from your guide for cracking the code, Sudhir Ispahani. Cameron ZIE is a very busy man. He has an awful lot of folks working for him, with him, and depending on him as a, a CIO for this big, big company. Yeah. What are your thoughts about how he handles that and his leadership philosophy? It's a very good question, Alan, because uh, he, he covers a lot, lot of ground in, uh, on this uh, show about what leadership means to him. You know, he talks a lot about honesty, transparency, integrity. He brings that back as a theme and how he practices that. And he actually relates that, to be honest with you, back to his core values, which I'm a very big proponent of. Because somewhere in in life, as you start evolving from childhood to adulthood through your environment, you develop a set of core values. And those values sort of drive a set of transparency, integrity, honesty, all those things in your life whether they were taught by mom and dad, whether you picked them up by somebody else. Those unchanging core values, Yeah, it's really interesting how they also contrast with something that's very consistent with these leaders, including ZIE, and that is they're all about innovation, change, evolving. This man actually wants his employees to spend a significant amount of their time figuring out how to make their own jobs obsolete. Yeah. Now, that is certainly not just being satisfied with the status quo. Yeah, he talks a little bit about that when talking about, you know, the future of artificial intelligence and, you know, you picked up on that theme. And it's a hard conversation to have with people unless you're soft as a leader, which comes back again to that leadership style. You know, it's one thing to tell them, look, you're going to be out of a job. And it's another thing to tell them, hey, you know, uh, look at the future. It's going to be very bright, but you may have to retool and retrain yourself. Those who are following him, then they have to trust him because if he's saying, make your job obsolete, they have to be able to trust him that his vision or the company's vision provides for another job for them in the future. Yeah. I look, we're living in very interesting times, as you know, is uh, is that walking the talk as a leader is more important in, in the way your employees or your team observes you. He sort of uh, hits on that quite a bit, and he talks a little bit about what giving means to him as a leader. It's not just with his, his team, starting with his family, with his wife, with his kids, with his friends. All of us have known him. He's a very generous and, and loving and giving person. But I can tell you, he brings back, and I, I really, uh, at the tail end of the show, had asked him, you know, what does he do every day that allows him to self-reflect? And he exposes that very, very nicely. Talks about, you know, uh, whatever you call it, meditation or whatever. 
that he really believes that introspection around did he do right by a friend, by his family, for that day, and what could he learn, and what could he have learned differently if he didn't do something right, and relating that back to his values. So many of these leaders you've interviewed have talked about how important it is for them to take time to think. One even talked about setting aside a whole day just to think and to do nothing, which is a form, of course, of meditation. These are people who take time to think, to use what's between their ears. Yeah, and I think that 15-minute routine he talks about, whether he does it at night or in the morning, uh, to really think through, I think is important for all of us to really practice our core values and, and what they really mean to us in the core system of integrity, transparency, openness, et cetera.